Three, two, one. Welcome what? to the David the Doctor <laughs> podcast. <laughs> what episode is this, Josh? One hundred. One hundred. Here we are, guys. It is a goddamn blizzard outside right now. <laughs> Josh trekked here from forty-five minutes away is what it usually takes. Yeah. And did you say it took you an hour and a half? An hour and a half. It took you an hour and a half. It is. It is just. It is. You know what? It's not even really snowing much anymore, but it is so windy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Let's pull up the weather. Let's see what it says. Uh. Weather (laughs) says here in North Olmstead that it is... (laughs) Look, Get ready for this high and low of the day. Are you ready? So it says a high of 42, but a low of negative 5. Yeah. What on earth? Because <laughs> I think it was still 40 degrees at like 1 a.m. That's a good point. Yeah, no, that, that's a good point. It was it was shockingly warm yesterday. It literally is negative 5 right now. Yeah. And then if you go down to the feels like, it feels like negative 31 degrees Fahrenheit. It's 100%. very, 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 very cold. Yeah. Let's see what it says about the wind. Does it say anything about it, the wind? It should tell you how What's the how speed? Fast. I want to know what the wind speed is. It's, it doesn't say. It's a good gust. It's very fast. 30 we'll to that. 50, I think, is what they were saying it was going to be. Very fast. So here we are. Um, it's super freaking cold out. It is, um, yeah, but it's a blizzard. <laughs> but we're here because it's episode 100. Yeah, <laughs> we, made the, we made the trek. We made the trek. That's what we're here for. So, yeah. <clears throat> Josh, what's new? A lot. I just had my uh, wonderful giveaway. It seemed to turn out all right. Had about eighty-five entrants into the contest. So yeah, so it was really good all around. I think it was better for uh, all the participants that gave the prizes than Mm. me because it seems like most of them, like the people that entered, were already following me. So yeah, you know, it's cool. I still, I, I still went up like sixty. Uh, followers, so it's cool. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was a resounding success. I'm just waiting to get all of the uh, gift cards round up, and then obviously now it's cr- day before Christmas or whatever, a couple days before Christmas. So I'm going to accurate. I am going to get the uh, prizes to them next week. So that is my my thing. Um, did a shoot for Cloak and Dagger. Um, they're having a pretty long menu this time it's uh like it's gonna be around for about six months so yeah it's uh gonna be about the zodiac signs and constellations or whatever constellations yeah like aries and cancer gemini whatever um it's gonna be pretty cool but uh i got a new lens um black friday and it was the first time i got to use it it's a hundred macro so it's those like really (coughs) close-up fine detail shots so I'm real excited for that. I like it. Yeah. You just came back from Germany. How was that? Germany was wonderful. Flights delayed everywhere. Took us 24 <laughs> hours to get to Germany. <laughs> Took us 48 hours to get home. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, but we're back at it. You know, I feel like that almost overshadowed your like entire trip. No, it didn't. You know, it was it was it was. Well, when you figure the trip itself was only like six days, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you figure that there was three days of travel, right? Yeah. 50% of the trip was travel. If you really break it down, was travel. Now, that travel was on top of those six days we were there. <laughs> yeah, but, but still. But that's a substantial amount of time to be yeah. stuck in airports and airplanes. Oh, yeah. So, it is what it is. 
So, but yeah, no, it was it was pretty sweet. We ate a ton of food. We got to see all the Christmas markets. We ate a ton more food. Yeah. Did the uh, the Christmas markets live up to the hype? Oh, dude, they were so cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something about. You know, I was talking about. I was wondering. I was like, why is international travel so cool? Like, obviously, you get to see culture and food and stuff like that. But the the goddamn cities and countries and stuff like that, if you really look at it, are so much older than anywhere in the United States. Oh yeah. Literally than anywhere. You know. Mm-hmm. So then they have these like traditions, like these Christmas markets. They just set up in these town squares around this just architecture that's like so unbelievable. Yeah. So no, it was, it was real slick. That's so, awesome. but back at it, ton of lessons, yeah. um, things sparking some conversation that we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. just from uh, stuff I've experienced over over lessons when we got back. Um, that we're going to kind of get into, and we'll probably keep this one. We'll see how long it goes. I don't know, right? This might be a short one. This might be a long one, depending on how long this kind of burns, right? <laughs> so right before I left for Germany, we had, um, I think, five boarding trains go home, I want to say, right? Wow. So um, the round of boarding trains I had in that I was working with with our new boarding train trainer, Senny, uh, sent them all home. Kind of timing worked out perfect where they went home right before I left, and then we did all their follow-up lessons as soon as I got back, right? So as we're doing that, you know, I, you know, I wanted to, I, I noticed certain things that were like really good, certain things that clients were having some issues with, and I wanted to kind of just break down board and trains a little bit today, right? Because mm. I think it's something that creates a lot, and that on top of, I did an assessment yesterday where the person was asking about board and trains and stuff like that. It just sparked some conversation about the whole board and train thought here. So I want to kind of break them down a little bit here. And I want to talk about a couple of different things, right? So I want to talk about what are board and trains, what are board and trains not. I want to talk about dogs that should do them, dogs that shouldn't do them, reasons for that. And I want to break down some common issues we'll see post-send home, how we work through them, and how they are extremely normal and something that I think trainers that are offering board and trains need to prepare themselves for and prepare their clients for, obviously, okay. obviously in order for success. Because yeah. we know as trainers, board and trains are getting right into what are they and what are they not. Board and trains are not quick fixes, right? They're mm-hmm. not this thing that you send your dog off to and then they come back and they're a trained dog and everything is good and fine and dandy, right? This is why I hold issue to... <clears throat> terminology I'll see trainers throw around, like let's... Like let's say let's take one one big word that I see thrown around a lot that I understand the meaning behind it, but I disagree with a little bit, and I think it's a problematic word. Rehabilitation. Right? Yeah. We talk about behavioral rehabilitation, right? Everybody throws that around. Caesar even, you know, in his shows used to talk about the dog needs to come to the center for rehab, right? This needs mm-hmm. to go there. Rehab is such a funny word, right? Because if you look at it, right, what is rehabilitation right a lot of people i think and i don't even know what the freaking clinical definition of rehabilitation is by any means right but but i think a lot of people look at rehabilitation as we're taking this problem and we're fixing it you know what i mean like we're taking this problem and we're just eliminating it from the ethos anymore right Mm -hmm. we're making this not this anymore right and that would imply that post rehabilitation the dog is good Right, the dog doesn't rehearse behavioral issues that they yeah. used to rehearse anymore. The dog doesn't act aggressively. The dog doesn't act on their urges like they used to, et cetera, et cetera. Which is true to an extent, right? Through the training and through the communication and stuff like that, we can get the dog to not act on those things, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't eliminate those things from the dog's mind as potentials or as things that they would otherwise rehearse while not being given that direction, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing as like, and this is kind of like a dicey one, but like I feel like a lot of adults you see like humans that go through rehabilitation for drug addiction, alcohol addiction, things like that. Look at how challenging it is for a lot of those people post rehabilitation to maintain that degree of support because yeah again right they're in these environments where they're being given direction and support and guidance and stuff like that and then when they go back into the real world and they don't have that support and that communication and that guidance and stuff and all of those vices are still around of things that they used to do they want to act on those things yeah. Right. It's not like humans go through rehabilitation and they're rehabbed. It's good. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. I mean, there's such a, a, a massive failure rate on them and, and people that uh, relapse and stuff post mm-hmm. those types of things. Right. So if we look at rehabilitation from that lens and we look at it as we have the ability to stack some wins and we have the ability to let the dog be successful and teach them some new ways and some new skills of how to cope with these problems and then say, okay, We just gave the dog all of this direction. Now, the dog can maintain that or can relapse back to their old problems Mm -hmm. if you don't continue to give that direction and guidance. That's a more healthy framework to look at it from. And I feel like instead, it's too commonly looked at by the owner as the quick fix. And by the trainer, it's advertised as this is the better program because we're going to be able to fix these problems better for you as a marketing tactic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so what are they? Board and trains are about creating the communication to be able to work through problems, right? It's about establishing the skills that the dog as well as the owner is going to need in order to help guide the dog through making better choices once they're home, right? Mm-hmm. But it does not necessarily eradicate issues, right? Yeah. Board and train does not, like, like a dog that used to jump. Let's take something as simple as jumping, right? If a dog jumped for you at home, a board and train is not a board and train alone without the guidance on your end is not going to make the dog stop jumping for you at home, right? And from a more major standpoint, if your dog is biting your guests, a board and train is definitely not going to make your dog stop biting guests when yeah. the dog goes home. What a board and train will do is create the necessary skills and communication to effectively coach the dog to not jump at home or coach the dog to not bite strangers at home. Yeah. Right? And that's one huge, huge, huge misconception that I see that is the single root behind what I would consider to be most clients' issues post-board and train that they may have with a trainer. If they say, oh, the training didn't work or, oh, the dog came back and seemed like they didn't have any training or anything like that. It's because the variable is the owner. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> so so then we get into, you know, dogs that should do them versus shouldn't do them, right? And I'm just kind of going off bullet points here, and we're going to jump around all over the place with this, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I did an assessment yesterday. It was with a guy. He adopted a dog a year and a half ago that did a board and train somewhere, right? He got maybe 20 minutes of training by the foster or something like that. Like, hey, okay. here's how you use the training. But but, but he, he didn't really know any of it, right? The dog's having some issues, a little bit of resource guarding here, a little bit of snarkiness here, stuff like that. And the guy came in and he was like, man, like, I, I really think we need to do a board and train with this dog. So I was like, all right, well, let's, let's do an assessment, right? Anytime a dog has had a lot of prior training before, before I have somebody sign up for a program, I want to see where the dog is at with stuff. I want to see what the degree of training that they have uh, is so we see how much the dog needs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, so I start working with the dog and I'm like, this fucking dog knows shit. Like, 
Like this dog was really? doing downstays, doing place command, doing recalls, walking nice on a leash. Like once I started communicating clearly to him, mm-hmm. the dog knew how to do all this. So the skills that needed to be established were already there. Yeah. So you get back to what is board and train and what is board and train not. Board and train does not eradicate the problems. No. Board and train creates the communication to eradicate the problems once the dog goes home. Mm. Right? Yeah. So so a board and train would have been the last thing that this dog needed. Now, could a board and train have provided some sort of benefit? Sure, right? I mean, realistically, the dog could have come to us. We could have brushed up on the training a little bit, obviously, but that wouldn't have taken a full four weeks, obviously. We could have brushed up on the training a little bit, given the dog a couple of weeks of success with working through these problematic behaviors, you know, set some, another thing that board and trains do, could have set some routines for some of the, uh, some of the problematic behaviors. So things like feeding, for example, right? We could have implemented, hey, this is going to be the feeding routine, right? Another mm-hmm. skill that the dog is going to need to know once the dog goes back home so the owner can do it, right? Or I told him, I was like, I was like, I was like, you could do that and, and it would be fine, right? And we would work with the dog and we would set some of these routines and stuff, but we're still gonna need to spend the same amount of time coaching you at the end. Right. Yeah. It's not gonna eliminate that problem. And that's really where the issue is, is mm-hmm. with the owner coaching side of things. I was like, or you could do like five sessions with us since the dog already knows the training. We don't need to train the dog at this point. I could just train you how to use the skills that the dog already has. Yeah to combat your issues, right? Mm-hmm. And from a financial standpoint, you're talking about the difference of like $3,000, right? This guy wanted to do a board and train. Yeah. This is saving this guy like $3,000 of yeah. unnecessary stuff that the dog doesn't need. Mm-hmm. And then from a time standpoint, we could immediately jump into the problem, which is coaching the owner. Yeah. Right? Exactly. <clears throat> so so obviously we decided to go the one-on-one lesson route and we're going to start jumping into things that way, Right. Because that is where the root of the issue is, is making mm-hmm. sure people are doing things properly, right? Yeah. So, you know, again, things that started sparking all of this. So right before I got home, one of the dogs that um, had went home right before I left, she had sent me a text message. And she's like, you know, we just had our first encounter with another dog, right? Dog was in for reactivity issues and... It was a mess, she said. She's like, you know, he was reacting. I tried correcting him, and, and it didn't stop, and blah, blah, blah. It was, right. it was just kind of like a disaster, right? Yeah. And anytime, I, it's normal that we get those texts first week post-board and train because, again, like we talked about, what is it and what isn't it, the board and train did not eradicate the dog reactivity issues. Yeah. The board and train established the communication so that when I walk the dog, I could ensure that I coach the dog through not reacting, and it will be fine, exactly. right? But it doesn't just eradicate that problem, right? Mm. So I, I was like, all right, well, you know, we ironically had our follow-up session scheduled literally the next day. So I kind of coached her through a couple little things via text, obviously. And then I went to um, do the session the following day. And this is this is a key thing for trainers right now, right? So I, I was like, all right, we're going to go for a walk right now, right? I met her at her house. She was right around the corner from the facility, and that's where a lot of her problems were arising, right? So I met her at the house. I was like, we're going to go for a walk right now. So we went outside. We went for probably like a 45-minute walk, right? We're walking, and I... I was like, I I had mouth zipped, right? I Mm. wanted to just watch and see what she was doing. And sometimes this is an important skill, I think, for trainers to do, especially if you have a client that is, and she's wonderful, right? She's super nice. She was not like judging or anything like that, obviously. Like, oh, the training didn't work. She just wanted to make sure she was doing things right, obviously. Uh But I think to some people, 
they're trying. You know what I mean? It's not like she mm-hmm. wasn't trying. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah, she's sure. trying to work with the dog, but she was having these issues and she was getting discouraged because she's like, I feel like I'm doing things wrong, but like I, I, I feel like he's not figuring it out or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, I was like, we're going to go for this walk and I'm going to just watch what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And I just started watching her, right? And, you know, beginning of the walk, it's all right, right? It's pretty good, right? We're walking. He's walking pretty nicely with her. No problems or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Get a little bit further. He starts getting a little bit looser with things, right? Get a little bit further. I see a dog. I was like, all right, we're going to go walk by this dog, right? Turn the corner, right? We go walk straight towards this dog. She's walking head on towards this dog, right? Just right okay and and then she gets right next to this other dog and her dog starts kind of reacting a little bit and she kind of pulls him away with the leash and keeps walking and i told her when we started the walk i was like i want you to do whatever you would have done normally right whatever you would have done over the last couple of days with him let's watch how you're doing this right so we get by and i was like all right well i was like what do you think about all that you know i asked her yeah and she's like well i don't know i mean like you know he still reacted obviously I don't know. Like, I, you know, I feel like he still kind of reacted. It wasn't as bad as the other day, but like, he still reacted. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, well, so this is why I wanted to watch. I was like, he, I, I was like, I've, I already see the problem, right? I already know exactly what the issue is here right now, right? I was like, throughout the course of that entire, that was probably an elapsed 25, 30 minutes, right? Up until that point. Mm-hmm. I was like, over the course of that entire 25 to 30 minutes of a walk that we just did leading up to the dog, there was not, one singular bit of information that was given to the dog, right? Ooh. Absolutely no. And again, I, I want to clarify, this is not judging, right? Yeah, this, yeah. Is the, this was the coaching side of things. <clears throat> she needed to realize where the issue came from, yeah. right? And in order for me to show her where the issue came from, I couldn't micromanage her the whole time throughout the yeah. walk. I needed to allow her to make the mistakes and then at the end, point out those individual mistakes so she could become aware of them mm. so that when we started the walk again and she made the adjustments she needed to, she could see how much better it was, yeah, right? Yeah. I was like, there was zero... Oh. I was like, there was zero direction given at all. I literally don't think she said anything to the dog the entire time. And in her fairness, I told her, I was like, in your fairness, I was like, the first five to ten minutes of the walk was pretty good. I was like, he was walking nicely with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he was, it's not like he was pulling or all over the place or anything like that. Yeah. But what I saw is after five to ten minutes, he just got like a little looser, right? Mm-hmm. And a little looser, right? Yeah. And kind of... Pulled over to sniff a little bit, and then she's walking up to the dog, and she's kind of making the mistake of, again, head on. It's not that you can't walk past another dog, but there's something to be said about, like, if two parties are walking like this, and you're going, it's like (laughs) if Josh is a dog, and I'm a dog, and we're walking, and we're just like, (laughs) we're just getting closer and closer and closer and closer, right? It's just allowing all this conflict to kind yeah. of build up and stuff like that. Playing so a I game of chicken. Yeah. I was like, so first and foremost, I was like, we have to give direction from the start. I said, yeah. dog reactivity, right? The One of the hardest behavioral issues that clients struggle with, that trainers struggle with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? It starts before you see the other dog, right? It starts mm-hmm. well before that because if... You're letting little things slide. You're not giving direction, this, that. The dog is on their own on the walk. I'm mm-hmm. on my own, right? 20 minutes goes by. Dog's on their own. They're making their own decisions. They're doing what they want to do. Then you see another dog, right? 
You're still not giving direction. You're still not coaching them through things in any way. And then you wait until they're totally freaking out because they're on their own and they're insecure and they need to react to defend their territory in this situation. And then you try to correct them. The dog is going to be like, fuck you. You haven't told me what to do at all this entire walk. And now when I'm protecting myself, you're going to try to tell me not to do that. You can go fuck yourself. Is exactly what's going on in that dog's head. Because yeah. one of her things she said was like he started freaking out. This is what she said in the text message. He started freaking out, and I corrected him, and he took the correction and then just kept freaking out. I was like, yeah, he didn't believe you. He said, <laughs> fuck you. You're not going to tell me not to yeah. react at this dog right now, right? Yeah. So whatever. So so I coach her through a couple things. I coach her through, first and foremost, understanding positioning on the walk and expectation on the walk is so, so, so important here right now, right? Mm-hmm. What does that mean, right? That means a lot of people skew initially. We talk about our come command, which is our heel position, essentially, right? It's a position, right? There's Mm -hmm. an expectation of where the dog should be with us, right? It it needs to be in our bubble, Mm -hmm. right? In our bubble does not mean in a seven-foot radius bubble. It means basically touching us in that immediate, like, one-foot bubble of us, Yeah. right? So... A lot of people misconstrue that still because the leash is so psychologically like, I got to control the dog with the leash. Mm -hmm. They misconstrue that as I hold the leash short and when there's tension on the leash, I correct. So they're setting their criteria based on the leash where Mm -hmm. they should be setting their criteria based on the dog's positioning, right? And I explained that. I was like, well, because she said that to him. She's like, I was like, all right, well, what's your expectation? When are you correcting? She's like, well, he, he never hit the end of the leash, which is why I never gave any direction. I was like, well, you're holding your leash. It's like six foot right now. I was like, <laughs> we don't want him to be six foot all around you at this point. Yeah. Right? And I want her to hold it six foot, obviously. But but she needs to be looking at him, not at the leash, obviously. right? Yeah. Because what if he was on a 30-foot leash? <laughs> if that criteria that she had set in her mind was accurate, that may mean he could be within a 30-foot radius of us, a 30-foot bubble of us, which is definitely not the case. Yeah. Right? So we need to be looking at what the dog is doing and pretending the leash isn't even there. Right? Our positioning is staying in our bubble. Right? So yeah. right off the rip, we need to give direction for that criteria. Mm-hmm. The second thing we need to do, obviously, right, is we need to be, I told her, I was like, because we find ourselves in this boat sometimes level-wise on the e-collar as far as where we're giving corrections. We'll, like, when we're walking and there's no dogs around, dog makes a mistake, gets out of position, this, that will correct it, maybe like a 20, right? little 20 there. Hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that, right? And yeah. then we see the other dog and we go up to, like, an 80, right? Mm-hmm. And it's this huge, stark contrast of, like, little consequences don't really care. Big consequences, yeah. right? Where we want to treat it all as the same, even playing field. Those little mistakes, if we're more firm on those little things and we're at a 70 and 80, which in his case, I think he was at like an 85 for the little mistakes and he was like, whoa, I don't like that. He fixes behavior very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Then he's already really believing that mom is in control right now. Mm -hmm. So when you see the other dog, you've gotten even a little bit more leverage, right? Mm -hmm. Second thing with the pass by, I told her, I was like, you got two options as far as how you can do a pass by with another dog. I was like, but you have to have a clear routine as far as how do I pass a dog, right? Option number one, if you have the space to do so, is you could keep walking, but you have to arc around, right? So person, person, we're walking this way, dog's coming this way. As soon as I see the dogs on that kind of head on, Mm -hmm. looking at each other thing, I break off. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I break off, I want to see, does my dog keep going straight because he's locked onto that other dog or does Mm -hmm. he break off with me? And if he doesn't break off with me, 
boom, big correction for that. Big yeah. correction for that. Hey, you need to pay attention to me. Before the explosion ever even happens, before he even thinks about exploding at the other dog, mm. as soon as he's like, I'm concerned about that other dog, we're breaking off, he doesn't follow, boom, big correction for that. Yeah. Right. That immediately then shifts that attention and again starts before the reaction. That's mm. us proactively getting our dog out of that state of mind. Yeah. Now, this is not the same as we've talked before. We talked on the Blake podcast of correcting for loading or anything like that. It has nothing to do with that because loading is not a mistake. Yeah. Loading meaning the arousal picking up, right? Loading is not a mistake. The mistake is he was starting to load, and because he was starting to load, he didn't pay attention and realize that I was shifting off path, and he was mm. no longer paying attention to me, and he was no longer following me. Big correction for that, mm-hmm. right? So that's proactively getting him past it, right? And then you do the same thing as you make your way around, right? The second option is you could pull and create as much distance as you can, and you can put your dog into a stationary position and enforce that very firmly as well, right? But the overarching key with the dog reactivity in this case and with a lot of cases that we work with is most people are reactionary to their dog where they need to be being proactive about working through the problem, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Again, reactionary meaning they don't give any direction, right? They Mm -hmm. give really naggy little nothing corrections. The dog doesn't give a shit about them. And then when the dog explodes, they try to just react to that. They're like, oh my God, I got to get really firm, right? You've never been firm with the dog in your life before, so the dog says, fuck you, Yeah, right? Proactive is holding a dog to a higher standard, being consistent, firm, and fair well before the dog even reacts so the dog doesn't react in the first place. Yeah. Right? I tell everybody with behavioral issues, if we're doing our job correctly, we should not see the behavioral issue. Yeah. Right? We shouldn't see the behavioral issue because we were proactive about it. Yeah. So we did that. We then continued on on our walk. And... um we wound up going for another like 45 minutes. It was like an hour and a half long lesson. Mm-hmm. We went for another like 45 minutes. We saw, I think, four or five other dogs that we passed by. And just from those couple, I, I, so she started her walk well before we saw any other dogs. There were two corrections she needed to give for him trying to pull out a position. High corrections. They were at like 85, something like that. Mm-hmm. Boom. Dog was like, whoa, I got to stay in position, right? Saw like four or five other dogs. Didn't make a motherfucking peep. Yeah. This dog was an angel yeah. after that, an, an angel, in two of which we came up to this corner. She lives in Lakewood, right? Busy corner, right? And there's these two dogs running with these guys on bikes, and we went right up to, we we're like six feet away from these dogs. Boom, sit, right? He sat, didn't even pay mind to these mm-hmm. dogs, right? I was like, all right, those, those guys went by. I asked her the same question. I was like, so what do you think of that? She's like, I get it. <laughs> I get it, right? Yeah. You know? And and so we, we finished our walk. We went back to the house. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right. I was like, so so what did you learn today? And she outlined it perfectly. She's like, I got to be much more firm on the little things. I need to actually pay attention to his positioning on the walk. And I need to have a more clear routine as far as how I'm passing dogs. I was like, that's it. I was like, give it a go. See you next week. <laughs> hell yeah and this was t- two days ago right yeah but but this is the key that i highlight to people is it's i tell every single one of my clients that go home from a board and train i tell every single one of them i was like your dog is going to push you around i was like you are going to run into hurdles you're gonna run into mistakes that's why we provide 12 months of follow-up lessons that's why we see the owners very frequently over the course of the first month that they go home mm-hmm. is because the coaching for you starts then at that point you yeah. gotta learn this stuff and there's so much information thrown at these clients that 
it's it's just not all going to stick. And you could hand out the biggest freaking. I can give them a whole textbook that has all the answers in them. <laughs> yeah. It's too much information. They have to learn it little by little, mm-hmm. right? Which is why the board and training again is very effective for teaching those skills. But we have to spend that time coaching the owner through those things then after the fact, right? Yeah. And we have to be understanding and empathetic that clients are going to get frustrated through the process. It's normal. Yeah. Right. I reminded her in her text message. I was like, I was like, reactivity is tough, and rebalancing your relationship with your dog is tough as well. This is when she mm-hmm. first texted me, right? This particular client, when she came to drop her dog off for a board and train, I, told, I reminded her of this. I was like, look at how far you've come with stuff, though. She literally needed to ca- – this is a big dog, right? This is a, a 55-pound dog or something like that. Mm. She needed to carry this dog into the facility because he was so freaked out and reactive oh, that God. he wouldn't walk into the facility. She couldn't get him to walk into the facility. She needed to pick him up and carry him in. <laughs> Right, oh, and guess what she does now? She walks in perfectly fine yep. places. She, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like he goes into new places with her willingly and yeah. stuff like that. But she's got some lingering reactivity issues. That's normal, yeah. right? We've come from won't even fucking walk <laughs> yeah. to will walk, but still a little yeah. reactive. 100%. And now we're gonna go from still walking a little yeah. reactive to yeah. guess what? Dogs walking and ignoring <laughs> other dogs now. Yeah, right? this is it. This is the progression. This is how this shit works. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. So that's. Uh, that's one story right off the rip there as far as kind of different experiences we've run into. I'll share, uh, I'll share kind of two, two more examples here, right? So actually maybe three more examples, right? Just to give you a variety of – because the, the psyche of the individual post-board and train, it varies all over the place. It's such an emotional mm-hmm. process for some clients, right? Mm-hmm. And for other clients, it's just like it's it's a cake where they come in and they're just like ready to go, yep. right? I'll share a couple more. Actually, from all this round, let's talk about all the uh, pretty much all of these dogs, right? There's a couple I still haven't seen yet. There's a couple I see in the next day or so. Um, next one, right? So we had this little dog. Um, we had this little dog, Canolian, for a board and train recently, Right. So little cannoli is this tiny ass little fucking I don't even know what he what he is right some sort of morky yorky shih tzu fucking thing right I don't know what he is right he's so tiny morky yorky this dog came in again resource guarding total dick right really reactive all this kind of stuff owner was dead set committed but very emotional about this dog yeah right. Picked up the dog the whole time she was in the sign home lesson. She was just like panicked, right? And mm. panicked not from anything other than she was so overwhelmed thinking that she was going to go home and forget something and mess everything up, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a big investment, obviously. People don't want to screw it up, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. But she was taking it seriously. But she was so she was so in her head about that that like it was like it was so hard to get through. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was stuff as simple as like. Like one of his things was was reactivity towards strangers coming into the house, and she had a couple workers come into the house the next day, mm-hmm. right? That were like starting like a bathroom remodel or something like that, mm-hmm. and she was so nervous about it. I told her I was like, "Just put him in his crate. Like, there's no reason why you need to have him out while workers are there and stuff, anyways." Yeah. And like, like he's just getting home; he's probably gonna be tired, so just stick him in his crate. And like, I, I texted her the next day. I was like, "How's he doing?" You know, she's like, "Oh, he's he's doing really good." She's like, "I'm so nervous about the workers coming over still, though." I was like. What are you nervous about? And I was yeah. like, you're gonna stick him in a crate. Yeah. What is there to be nervous about? Right? Yeah, she's like, nothing. she's like, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I'm gonna be. She, and I think she literally said, she's like, she's like, I'm gonna be brave. I'm gonna be brave. <laughs> I was like, all right, you go, girl. Yeah, right? You like, get it. <laughs> you get it. Be brave. Stick him in the crate, right? <laughs> but like, 
you know, again, she was all panicked about all this kind of stuff, and she was a big softy initially too, right? This was like her baby. She mm-hmm. texted me probably every other day that he was there for four weeks, like asking for pictures and stuff like that because yeah. she was missing him so much, right? Her baby. And and she was real soft with him initially and stuff, real nervous to give corrections and stuff like that. Came in for her follow-up session, same deal, sorry, two days ago, something like that. And came in and was just fucking on this little dude, man. <laughs> she came in. He came in. He tried to, like, fucking, like, like pull towards one of our workers or something. She's like, no, boom, right? Like, <laughs> got him under control. Hell went, yeah. put him on the fucking bed. He chilled on that bed. Same deal. What, what's been going on? How's it going? Stuff like that. She's like, things are going really good. Had him around some guests. Held his bed stay really nicely. Things went good. Only issue she was having was a little bit of leash pulling on the walk, right? And it was the same psychology. She was having the same issue as she was stuck on the pulling on the leash and not the positioning that Mm. he was in. So it was setting an inconsistent criteria because you figure if you hold your leash length differently every time, let's say sometimes you hold it two feet, sometimes you hold it four feet, sometimes you hold it three feet, and you're correcting when there's tension on the leash. In his mind, he's not going off of tension on the leash. He's going off of this boundary is changing every single time I go for a walk. Sometimes I can get two feet ahead. Sometimes I can get three feet ahead. Sometimes I can get one feet ahead before I get a correction. So there was nothing for him to learn how to avoid because it changed every single time. He couldn't avoid it. It was unavoidable. Mm. So we shifted the criteria, taught her how to fix that up, went good, right? I think I got one more session with him next week. Same deal. We'll see how he's doing. Make sure that that's on the right page. Um, but, But again, crushing it, doing really good, right? What else did we have? Another one, big success here, right? Uh, Fiona posted some videos of her. This is one that we talked about in the last podcast because everybody was blowing up over it. It was a resource guarding video. Oh, okay. I corrected this dog for going to the food, whatever. Older couple, right? Can't get around very well. Like the the husband, he's, you know, really bad legs, hips and stuff. He has to sit down the whole session and everything like that. Same deal. They came in. This fucking lady was on this dog's case. She wasn't letting this dog get away with dick, right? <laughs> this dog fucking held that. This is the first time I had a dog come in for a one week. Not the first time. One of the one of the first times in a little bit that I've had a dog come in for a one week check in that she put this dog on the bed, left that dog there, walked away before I even saw her mm-hmm. in the lobby. There's dogs walking by. People walking by. That dog didn't move a muscle. This is a seven month old dog. It's a young dog, man. Wow. She awesome. got this dog under control. Same deal. No problems. Anything like that couple little tweaks as far as correcting for her down stays and stuff like that. Like it was, it was like nothing issues, you know what I mean? But just mm-hmm. fine tuning the handling a little bit and stuff. Yeah. Right. So, so, and then I'll, I'll share one more example in a minute here of, of a little bit more of like a failure sat slash success, kind of like the first one that I discussed, obviously. Okay. <clears throat> um, but, but this goes to show, I, I, I encourage, again, everybody that does board and trains, this dynamic is normal. Every round we get this. Every round when the dogs get home, it's like half of them just hit the ground running with it, and they just take that information and run with it. And half of them, it's like reversing that psyche that they have of, again, what is board and train being the rehab of it should just be fixed and people have a very hard time looking at the things they're doing wrong, mm-hmm. right? Versus um, them understanding that the board and train is to teach them those skills, right? And that mm-hmm. they have to follow that direction in order to get the results, right? Yeah. So another one, we had this dog, Bea, that was in recently. <sighs> Stud of a little dog, mm-hmm. right? Little mini golden doodle crushed it. Such a good little dog. Right? Yeah. Super fun, sweet temperament, stuff like that. The whole family kind of situation, right? Mm-hmm. And when I say whole family, it was like two... Not elderly, but I would guess like maybe late 60s parents and like an older adult son, right? That kind of lives at home. I think maybe lives at home. I don't know. Whatever. And uh, 
Dog did phenomenal. Sendholm was great. They were so excited in the Sendholm because the dog did so... I mean, the dog was just fresh off training. Really good. Didn't really Mm -hmm. make a whole lot of mistakes and stuff, which is a blessing and a curse, everybody. Right? No mistakes in the Sendholm lesson is really good for that initial wow factor, but it is not very good for that long-term, well, shit, now they're not going to see when they run into (laughs) issues exactly how to work through it. And I can talk about it, but they didn't actually see it. You know, It's, it's a blessing and a curse. Right, I almost like when the dogs make a ton of mistakes, or I like when they start off really strong. We'll get this sometimes. They start off really strong, then somewhere in the middle, we hit a hiccup, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's like it. We have to work through some sort of big hurdle with them, and they <laughs> yeah. get to actually see it. And every time that happens, a client looks at me. They're like, "Wow, I'm really glad that happened." And I'm like, "Me too, me too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too." Right. So uh, Bea crushed it. No, again, no big issues. Right. It's a pu- it's a puppy. Right, the dog is like probably like nine months old, ten months old, something like mm. that. She chews shit in the house, mm. and she kind of jumps a little bit. And the the husband like sits in his recliner, and again, he's a little older, doesn't move around so well, and stuff like that. And I think the dog kind of just like bugs him, like bullies him around a little bit, and stuff like yeah. that. A little rambunctious on the leash, mm-hmm. a little prey driven, whatever, all the normal stuff. Yeah, you know. Came back, follow up lesson. Um, and same deal. They're like, yeah, Bay is having some issues. And we're like, all right, well, what's going on with them? And, and for everybody, this story that I'm about to talk about, our vlog that comes out today is going to have this entire lesson in it. So you could see everything that I'm going to describe right now. Right. Because I thought it was so cool. I literally texted Paige last night at like fucking midnight. And because this is just what I do. I text people at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> I text my employees at midnight. That's, sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I said, sorry for the late text. I forgot to tell you my idea for the vlog. I said, I want as much of the Bea lesson, especially the beginning when they were saying how bad she was for them, et cetera, et cetera. And then the end when she was crushing it. (laughs) I was like, like, the vlog should be advertised as this board and train had big issues on her first week back home. Watch how we address it or something like that. Because all of her issues were non-issues and actually owner-related issues. Ha ha. I don't know. Something like that. Right. All this at midnight. <laughs> All this at midnight. She texts me right back too. She's like, "That's what I was thinking too." <laughs> like, oh man. So so um. Hold on, gathering my thoughts here. Okay. Yeah. So they came in. Again, they're they're describing all these issues. They were describing more like, oh, and another one was like she wouldn't get in the car for them or something like that, right? Yeah. Dumb little things, right? <laughs> and I'm not saying dumb little things like they're not problems. Like they're problems. We got to address them. But they're none of them are big issues by any means. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. So so we're talking and and you know I'm just letting them lay it all out there, right? Go over it. Get hit me with everything, yeah. right? So so we're talking about it and stuff like that. You can tell they're a little not upset, right? It's not like they're mad or anything like that, but they're just a little like maybe let down. Oh, you know, we wish you wish a little bit better and stuff like that. I was like, all right. So then we start off. We have the first maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes of the the session was us talking. Let them lay it all out, and then I just went through piece by piece by piece by piece by piece. By piece digging for a little bit of information and showing them, oh, well, you, it sounds like that issue that you had right there that you just described, you guys weren't prepared for and mm-hmm. you missed your opportunity and you weren't able to give any direction. And this opportunity, yeah. you missed the opportunity and you didn't give any direction. And, and every single one of them was they were going into situations, whether it was they were going out for a walk or whether they were having a guest come over or whether they were giving her a little bit of freedom in the house and they were expecting her to not make the mistake. Mm. And then she made the mistake and because they were expecting her to not 
not make the mistake, they weren't in a position to actually stop it. Right? Yeah. Which the first week back home, I tell, and again, I tell every single client this when the dog goes home from a boarding train. I was like, any single issue your dog used to rehearse before they came here, the dog is going to try to rehearse again when they go home, and it's up to you to be ready for them to do that so you can address it. Yep. Right? The problem is they didn't do that, right? This, again, it's not me shaming them or anything like that. That's why we have the follow-up session. Yeah. So they could see, hey, this is how it went. Okay, it didn't go good. This is what you need to do to adjust it. Exactly. Right? So we talked about it. I got them to realize all those things. We went outside of the car. He's like, yeah, I'm trying to get her in. She won't get in. I was like, are you trying? Or are you just like, yeah, I'm kind of trying, yeah, right? Kinda he's kind of trying, right? Like yeah. he walked up to the car and he's like, come on, Dale, come on. <laughs> and it's like, if this is the leash, like he's like, yeah, I'm pulling her. This was, this was him pulling her, right? <laughs> like Come nothing on. yeah get in the car right <clears throat> whatever so yeah. so i was like all right i was like here's how we're gonna do it right i grabbed the leash i was like do 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 baya in <laughs> got right in <laughs> did it like three more times in a row got in like a fucking champ right no problem had them do it a couple times got in like a champ i was like gotta have more commitment i was like i know you're trying but like mm -hmm. you're you're not committing yeah. right the mentality is like this dog weighs 26 pounds, right? The dog's getting in the car. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Like, you're getting in the car, bro. Yeah. So so we did that. We went. We worked on the leash walking. Uh, they said she, they were having a hard time with her holding downstays. That was another thing that they said. They were like, yeah, she won't hold her downstay for longer than like a couple minutes. So it's funny. that The first like 20 minutes of the conversation that we were having when they were talking about all the issues, yeah. I took Bea and I put her in a downstay literally out of sight around the corner and had her hold that for like the entire 20 minutes that they were having the conversation. <laughs> and... And just, just kind of show, again, not to like, like brag or anything like that, but just to show them she could do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? If 100%. she's given the direction to do this. Yeah. And we finished the conversation. I was like, yeah. I was like, well, she's clearly capable of this. She held this downstay literally with us not even being able to see her for like 15 minutes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we worked on all this stuff. And it, what the, this is the thing that was so cool to me, right? So as we're nearing three quarters of the way through this session, right? We're working through all these issues. They're seeing us work through the, all these issues. I've been gently but firmly explaining to them how they were all them issues and how mm. they needed to change the things they were doing if they wanted to see the results with yeah. her. It was so cool to see their attitude shift from at the beginning where it was just kind of like, uh, you know, little bummed, whatever, you know, to like they're excited again. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? They get it. And it was so funny. It was like, yeah, I, I love this shift. Like we got halfway through it. And again, you're going to see all this in the vlog. It, it was a really, I think it's going to be a really cool vlog. Um, <clears throat> But uh, the the mom said she's like then then as she's doing good with things and you could tell her confidence is getting up a little bit because I even had her I was like all right we're doing awfully shielding now I was like now go on the parking lot do some awfully shielding she's awfully shielding in the parking shot she's like wow she's like and then and then she said this this is another key point right she's like she's like wow I I really hope she does this when she goes home I was like ah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is not, we hope she does this at home. This is, we are going to make her do yeah. this at home, right? Because we hope she does this at home implies that the dog is now fixed and I don't need to yeah. do anything to get her to do this, mm -hmm. right? And it's an important psyche, right? Even though I know she didn't necessarily mean it like that, I have to clarify it like that because all of this is a mindset shift. Every ounce of this is a mindset shift, Yep. right? So, but then, you know, she's like, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> um, 
and she's she's getting all confident now because she's doing good and stuff like that. And then she starts telling me, she's like, oh, she did this really good, and she did this really good, and she did this really good, and she did this really good at home, like over the last week. She's like, mm. so she's laying all the successes on. Yeah. She's stacking like, oh, but these were all our wins from this last week. She's like, so it wasn't all, it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. <laughs> and and listen, I told her, I was like, listen, I was like, these follow-up lessons are for you to highlight the bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I need to know the bad things. I don't, I mean, I'm happy that she did really good with all those things. That's yeah. that's great. Let's let's fucking, you know, let's look at those and stack the wins, obviously, right? And look at how far she's come with things. But in these follow-up sessions, we need to highlight the things you had issues with, obviously. Yeah. Right? So I was like, it's fine. I was like, that's a part of this job, right? Mm-hmm. And, and a skilled trainer, this is the important kind of wrap up information with all this a skilled trainer needs to be just like the owner needs to be prepared for the dog's mistakes once the dog goes home a skilled trainer needs to be prepared for the owner's mistakes once the owner comes back to the facility Mm -hmm. 100% (laughs) I rolled a lot yeah, you were on rolling. that than I thought I was going to you were going in my man so I don't know man I mean that's that was kind of what's the last two days have been yeah been back for two days, two days of a bunch of follow-up lessons and stuff like that. A lot of successes, a lot of failures that turn into successes. And uh, I think that today was a good opportunity to discuss those things. And yeah, yeah, I will say, you know, especially, you know, the beginning of what you were talking about, like mm-hmm. what, what is the board and drain? Like, is it a yeah. miracle, you know, snake oil, like, Oh, cures it all, you know? Mm-hmm. And I will say, you know, because, I have been that person, mm-hmm. you know, back way back when when uh, we were at Titan Kilo. You mm-hmm. remember that? Oh yeah, those suckers. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mean, I remember, but that was before I knew anything about dog training. Before we worked together, anything yeah, yeah, yeah. like that, and we brought them in, and that was our perception. Sure, for sure, it was like, oh, we'll we'll bring him in, and you know, he'll be good. He'll be good. Yeah, David will work through it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be fine at home. And oh my gosh, like, especially the other person um, thought that's how it was going to be. And oh, we didn't have to push them so hard, these dogs so hard. And it was terrible. I mean, I think it was a big waste of money because she didn't keep up with the the training. But that was literally the perception that we had. And I feel like it's very, you know, for trainers that have board and trains, you're finding that uphill battle already because that's just the perception is Mm -hmm. like, all right, I'll give throw my dog, yeah. you know, for four weeks and it'll be good, you know, yeah. and and they'll come back and it'll be just fine. But they and they never think about, yeah, it's it's them that really need to work on on what they're doing. Yeah, and it's it, it it's just one thing where like some people go through that reality check with this later than other people. It takes longer yeah. for some people. Like some people, it's just it, it like like will will like all of these examples that I described today are like. Nothing major. You know what I yeah. mean? But like we'll have some people that have really big issues with their dogs where it's kind of a battle with them initially with it. It's yeah. not as easy as like, well, you're doing this wrong. They're like, yeah. And then they're, they they just immediately get to this defensive state of like, no, I'm not. Right. Yeah. Or, or well, no, you didn't make it easy enough for me or something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like we'll get some people that, and again, not frequently at all, but like no. we'll get some people that like really push back on it sometimes. And, oh, yeah. and they really imply like, this dog came home and it's very clear the dog had no training. Like I've had that yeah. I've had people tell me that before and it's like are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like sure buddy. Like yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever you say. <laughs> well, I, I, the biggest thing I remember was um we would cut I cuz I we, we did one-on-ones I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But like we would come back and you're like 
so how'd it go? And like in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, we put the collar on like twice, yeah. maybe, you know, it's like, <laughs> it was just like terrible, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then she'd be like, well, I don't feel like we're getting anything out of this. I'm like, well, that's probably because we're not doing it like what we were supposed to be. But, yeah. um, the other thing I was thinking of, um, I don't know. Is it okay if we name drop again? I don't know. Some trainers, yeah. Well, like, you, okay, you wait, know, wait, wait. Are what? they local trainers? No, no, oh, no, yeah, you no, can no, drop no. anybody that's not local. Okay, <laughs> I'm not trying. I'm not trying to bash on our local. Yeah, here, you know. No, um, <laughs> when you're talking about like the the low corrections to, mm. and then you're, yeah, you're yeah, the yeah, bam, yeah. you yes. know. Yeah, yeah. And the, you know, we talked about Larry, late, you know, a yeah. few times about that, and that, and that's what I've always like worried about with like him doing that kind of training now like it's like minuscule like barely even feel or whatever like how how are you supposed to like have that control you know well here's the thing with that i yeah. i think that's a little bit different you know we okay. could argue the the mechanics of the training and which is more yeah. effective and stuff like that but like no, no, nobody's saying the people that are doing the low level training that it doesn't work by any means yeah, i think yeah. the biggest argument with the low level training stuff is that it's unnecessary right if we're if we're coaching low level the e collar is just and this is kind of a sidebar conversation obviously yeah. the e collar is just a a um a cue more or less yeah. right like it okay. doesn't create an aversive sensation it just tells the dog what to do it's like yeah well my words tell the dog what to do so why would i even need to use the e-collar then at that yeah. point right yeah because the thing is it always if we're going to be using it as a correction it always has to become aversive at some point yeah. and the more we're training it as a cue and making it this neutral sensation mm -hmm. the higher the sensation actually has to be in order for it to become aversive to the dog yeah Right. So it just becomes unnecessary then at that point. Yeah. And and <clears throat> I agree with you 100 percent because, you know, like like Bender, he knows he knows what to do and what not to do. Yes. And he knows how to, like, push the boundary. So it's just every time is a big correction. Sure. And, and like you said, you know, if he's a little loosey goosey in the beginning and you hit him that one time, the rest of the hike or yep. whatever we're doing. Perfect. In the yeah. line. You That's know, dogs are like we need to correct them every now and then you know the beginning of the walk or something like that and then yeah. it's like, like oh okay cool the rules still apply yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like <laughs> i still got gotta it. listen yeah <laughs> got it yeah so that's about it but yeah I, I i think it's it's really great to to hear the success and the i guess failures or yeah, you call whatever. It whatever you want i mean they're all successes but yeah. like the, the 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 ups and the downs of the board and train there process. it is ups and downs you know? i like that yeah so hell yeah we're going to end that on that. All right. Um, we have one more episode before the end of the year. Yeah. We'll catch you guys next Thursday at 101. 101. See ya. Dog training 101. <laughs>